Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone. Uh, joining me over Skype is Bob Ferrante. And, or Ferrante. and uh, joining me in person is a, uh, a guest host today is Wayne McGahee with the Tallahassee Democrat. Wayne, say hi. Hi. Yeah, Wayne's going to be with us today for the podcast, uh, actually the next two podcasts, uh, as Chris Nee is off in Mexico somewhere doing God knows what. Uh, we wanted to have Josh Newberg, but... Uh, his agent said it was uh, going to have to start paying double for uh, for twice a week uh, podcast. So we're, uh, we're we're going with the backup plan, which is Wayne. It's not a bad backup plan, but it is a backup plan nonetheless. Oh, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate the uh, <laughs> you know the the love in this room right now. So we have uh, Wayne in person, uh, and like I said, Bob's over Skype, and we're recording this in a different way than we have been the last couple times. So bear with us. Audio is not going to be perfect, but I think we can hear Bob pretty clearly. Uh, and we're going to hear Wayne probably too clearly because he's sitting right next to me, and, um, and he's going to get loud. So. I'm just here for Bob. Right, <laughs> yeah. so what we're going to do is uh, basically Bob and I last year did confidence ratings before the season, and, and essentially for each position group we kind of went down the list uh, ranking 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest uh, confidence, 10 being the most that we would have for uh, various position groups and kind of put what we thought the team was going to do at that position, project how they were going to do. Uh, so we're going to do that uh, for today, but but instead of doing it uh, on paper, we're going to do it in the podcast because, well, I think it's just going to be a little bit more fun to do it this way, get a little bit of, uh, for you guys to kind of see behind the scenes how we kind of go about sifting through these these type of things. And our position previews, which will come out next week, are going to be a little bit different where we're not going to be doing the confidence ratings that way. And Wayne has already kind of done his, are you, are you done with your position previews? Special teams comes out today. Uh, so you're done because special Pretty teams much, no yeah. one really cares about except for Bob. And whoa, special teams are going to be important this year. We'll discuss this later. <laughs> so you just wait until we get to special teams. Bob's going to come out with all the hot takes. You got it all down. You got the, the metrics for you know, yards per return and, and efficiency with uh, kickoff coverage and all that stuff, I'm sure. So we're going to do two podcasts. We're going to do one on offense, then we're going to go down to, to defense. And, you know, later on when, when we post this, I'm sure uh, we'd like to get your guys' you know, thoughts on, on the confidence ratings. And eventually we'll put pen to paper, and, and Bob and I will, will kind of combine our scores. Wayne's really doesn't matter other than just kind of driving the vehicle here to uh, to have some, some debate and whatnot. Is that okay, Wayne? Are you all right with yours not really mattering? I mean, I feel like mine's going to matter more than yours will, you know. <laughs> Brenda. <laughs> oh, so you do read our message board. Yeah, I have to check sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I read Bob's stuff. Someone, and then people are making fun of you all the time and Bob's stuff. So, Someone called me Belinda today and that kind of pissed me off because it's not even the BR motif. Like be creative with the, the Brandons or the Brentleys or Brandies or whatever. But Belinda is just lazy. I kind of like Belinda. All right, let's get, all right, let's get going. I think people are priority tuning out. Is that fair? Um, all right, let's start off with quarterback, guys. So, again, we're doing the confidence ratings, and I, I think everyone's going to have a different barometer for how we go about this. But for me personally, uh, it's just how I think the, the unit is going to fare during the season. Uh, I try to uh, factor in you know, who the starter is, uh, what the experience is, not necessarily how they performed last year, but how they're going to you know, projecting how they're doing going forward, what the depth is like. Uh, so that's how I do it, Wayne. And kind of how did you come up with your numerical you know, numbers here before we get into quarterbacks? Numerical numbers is Maybe, really, repetitive, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Basically, who the starter is, who the guy behind them, how they're going to be used this year as compared to last year, and how it's going to affect the offense. All right, and Bob, kind of a similar way of grading for you? 
Yeah, I think quarterback's tough because you have to evaluate Francois, what his value is, but then also, you know, the uncertainty of the number two quarterback. Could that be JJ in a tight game, or, or does Jimbo finally decide to burn a red shirt? So that's a that's a big question. So let's let's go into quarterback with with that because yeah, there's a variety of factors here, and obviously DeAndre Francois uh, is a starter. You know, last year, uh, I had. Going into the season, a uh, rating of six on the confidence scale because we didn't know at the time whether it was going to be Francois or Sean McGuire. You had McGuire coming off the injury. We didn't know quite what DeAndre Francois was going to be. And in hindsight, that was too low. I thought you know, DeAndre probably can, you know, played more as a seven or an eight. And again, this is arbitrary, some of these numbers based on on what you would say. But I would say like a 10 is an elite championship caliber level. You know, an eight is pretty good. Six is just above average. I mean, so that's the scale we're grading on. And and, and I thought DeAndre Francois far outperformed what, what I had thought he was going to be. Uh, so for this year, looking at quarterbacks, I, I went with an eight. And I don't know if that's a little bit bullish, but but I thought an eight because I have confidence in Francois is going to take the next step and go from good to very good now that he has a better grasp of the offense. Uh, the depth concerns me. Uh, maybe that would... You know, maybe that's eight is a little bullish because of the depth at quarterback because of Cosentino, but but I had I had an eight because I thought that I just have a ton of confidence in Francois, and honestly, I like Bailey Hockman. I think if you do have to go with him, uh, you can win games. He can manage a game. Uh, I don't think Cosentino is the guy if Francois goes down for a long period of time. So I'm not really factoring that in necessarily. Uh, Wayne, what did what did you have and and why? I had a six. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that Francois will take the next step. I believe that he will be very good, but I believe that with the depth behind him, Florida State is going to have to go away from one of his biggest strengths, with his, which is his legs. They can't afford to get him hit. And if, he's not one to slide. No, so he's not. He's not, he, not going to slide. So um, every hit that he takes is one more chance for J.J., or a true freshman who's been on campus for seven or eight months to start against Miami, Clemson. So at, at this point, I think um, I like where Francois is, but I think that Florida State is going to have to limit what he can do with his legs, which hurts him overall because I think that's a big part of his game. I mean, um, the other day I was running the numbers and he had almost 500 yards rushing when sack yards were removed. Yeah. So it, it's a big part of his game on the design runs. And I think that um, removing that takes away a lot of his potential. So I, I had it as a six. Um, I could see it as high as an eight if he stays healthy yeah. throughout the year. But with as many hits as he took last year and a brand new left tackle, yeah, it's and that's where the confidence the comes in is yeah. is what you know what you think the depth is going to be and, and you're trying to project throughout an entire season and obviously we can't predict injuries but uh, we do know that the guy is okay staying in the pocket and taking hits and we do know that the offensive line had a hard time protecting him last year which obviously increases the odds of and your backup quarterback for last year was a guy you know Sean McGuire who was a redshirt senior you, at least you trusted, trusted him yeah. to not screw the game up. You have the guy behind him now, J.J., who was two for nine on the season and literally screwed up handing off to Dalvin Cook twice in a row in practice last year that we got to see. So, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. So if you can't hand off to Dalvin Cook and you complete two of nine passes, there's a lot of concern. Well, that's there. why I'm, I would go with Bailey Hockman for a long period of time. But, but Bob, what do you have uh, for your number and, and, and why? Yeah, I'm going to split the difference with y'all. I'm going to go in with a seven. Ooh, balance ball. My, my reasoning is, uh, you know, I've got Francois probably at an eight by himself. 
the lack of an established uh, number two option drops that probably to a six. So I'm going with seven. I I'm high on Bailey Hockman. I, I think I think in the end we'll we'll probably see him play this year. I think the the red shirt gets burned. I don't know when. You know, I obviously don't want to see an injury situation, but I think Jimbo knows that that JJ is a guy that you really don't have any confidence in unless it's Louisiana hyphen Monroe, you know, late in the second half and you just got to uh, to hand it off. I think we've joked about how Cam Akers might be the number two quarterback <laughs> on this team and, and it's a funny thing to say, but but in reality you gotta have somebody you have confidence in. Um, I think Francois takes the next step and he improves a little bit more, but I think a lot of that's you know banking on pass protection being better too. So we'll get into that later, obviously. I think seven, Francois gets a little bit of improvement, and we have to see who that backup quarterback is. Uh, if, if Bailey Hockman does end up taking a snap this season, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that would be the first time a true freshman quarterback played for Florida State under Jimbo Fisher, at least as a head coach, and I think as a coordinator too. I could be wrong on that, but I, I don't think a true freshman has taken a snap for Florida State if that scenario did present itself. I think um, the last one that did was Chris Rick. <laughs> we all know how that ends. Yeah, you know, with an incompetent coaching staff. I, I've trust, I've, yeah, I, I think the thing that kind of, at least for, for, and then we'll move off quarterbacks, but for my ranking is, is I had a hard time I admittedly underrated quarterback last year, and I had a hard time going back to six, given that that DeAndre Francois. But I think we're all kind of, you know, for as far as purposes as quarterback and, and the way we have the confidence rating here, not a huge discrepancy between a six and eight is relatively arbitrary. I think we're all fairly high on what Francois brings to the table and really concerned about what happens if he goes down. Yeah, and that's fair. Yeah, if, if DeAndre Francois gets hurt in the preseason and I can adjust the rankings before we publish this, like, yeah, is this going down to uh, maybe not even a three? <laughs> maybe. Oh. All right, but let's uh, let's go to running back slash fullback here. Uh, last year we had that as a nine going into the season with Dalvin Cook and and Jacquez Patrick as a number two, and I think that you know could have even been a ten. I mean, Dalvin Cook was sensational, and I think it was a question of whether he was going to stay healthy or not. He did. Uh, Florida State's all-time leading rusher. He was awesome. Uh, Jacquez Patrick was really good as the number two. Freddie Stevenson, Wayne's guy was, and Bob's guy. Bob, do you have a big feature on Freddie Stevenson going on right now, or is that is that in the past? Gonna wait for uh, NFL opening day when he starts for the Bears at fullback. <laughs> All right, so we have Freddie Stevenson uh, was really really good too. So I think that unit was arguably in, in hindsight FSU's best last year. Uh, now for this year, uh, Bob, where do you have uh, the running backs and uh, fullbacks at? I'm going to go with eight here. I think obviously a step back when you don't have a guy like Dalvin Cook around, but huge upside with Cam Akers. Expect him to have a ton of carries, factor in as a receiver out of the backfield. Um, my only concern with him, and I think people have kind of criticized me for saying it, I question how he's going to do in pass protection. I, I just, until I see it, until I know what he can do, I'm going to have that as a question mark. Yeah. Uh, Jaquez Patrick, on the other hand, I think we know what he can do. And if he starts playing the way his body looks, if he starts running physically, we're going to see him develop into a really efficient runner. One thing we haven't seen very much from him, he hasn't had the opportunity to catch passes out of the backfield. If he can show that, I think, you know, Florida State's in good shape. You know, the rest of the guys, this is, there's a ton of talent. 
I hate to even speculate, you know, who might redshirt, but Jimbo loves to use freshman running backs. He's going to use a ton of guys. I, I think this is a really talented group. It's an eight in the preseason. It could be, you know, nine or maybe even ten by the end of the year. I agree with Bob. I have it as an eight. Um, I'm a believer in Jacques Patrick. Um, my position previews, I ran the numbers in, in games where he averaged, where he had more than five carries in the game, he averaged six and a half yards per carry, mm-hmm. which will do. Yeah. Um, granted, it was yeah, that, against... That, that plays. Yeah, I mean, that, that'll, that'll get the job done. Um, you know, he, he being the feature back... He'll be able to grind, you know, teams down. You've got Cam Akers change of pace, and then you've got Razul coming out of the backfield. I mean, Florida State is just—it's an embarrassment of riches, um, you know. Outside of uh, Ryan Green, who I—I dare you, know, you. I'm sorry. I just—I don't see how he fits in. Um, His dad's gonna be pissed at you. Yeah, he probably will be. But that's—I mean, the—he's had what. 10 carries in his entire uh, career. He, I'm a firm believer of you are what your numbers say you are to yes. an extent. I mean, there's different variables, but yeah, he's, he's bounced back between positions. And yeah, if he, if Ryan Green is anything more than like a, I'm not even know if you want him as your third down back. Like other guys can do what he does comparably and that are younger and have yeah. higher upside. I mean, Razul is faster, catches the ball just as well and runs harder. Yeah. Yeah. And again, he's only a sophomore and yeah. you want to give that guy, he's not a, a with your senior. And at fullback, you have Vickers and Gabe Neighbors, both guys that I'm extremely high yeah. on. Um, you know, so I think... I Jonathan don't Vickers is going to be an NFL running back, guys. Yeah. Based uh-huh. on what the head coach said. A uh, hey, you know, you never know. Maybe maybe he makes it as a fullback. But Florida State's been really good at fullback over the past few years, and I don't see any reason for not to expect that this season. Yeah, I have, a, I have a seven, so I'm a little bit below you guys, but again, I think we're all kind of in the same range here. Uh, my concern is we just don't know a lot. We have, there's, there's a question mark all across the board. I mean, I have Jacquez Patrick. I like what he's done. I'm all on, on board with him. I think he is going to be good, but I don't know if he's a 25-touch-a-game guy. Like, I don't know if he's effective in that role, and I think he's shown that, like you said, Wayne, when he gets carries you know, in chunks at a time, he wears down the defense, and, and I think that he will contribute at a pretty high capacity this year. I'm just not sold that he's that guy. And then even Cam Akers, like, I really liked what we saw, and he's a guy who's checked off all the boxes in terms of we've heard good things about him from, you know, people on the record, off the record, saw, you know, what we've seen. I, I you know, the spring game speaks for itself, but I just, again, I there's question marks with him, with Rasul. I just don't know. We haven't seen any of it yet, so I have a hard time going above when players bring him up unsolicited consistently consistently yeah. when we're talking to them then you know a kid's good because yep. they did it with Dalvin mm-hmm. they did it with Jameis it's Derwin yep yeah. yep the, that's that's kind of the barometer is, is when the guys the only time that we really that's kind of burn burn us or at least I'll speak for myself burnt me was Marcus Lewis last year it was the only time where his guy was being brought up more or less unsolicited and raved about, and, and that turned out to be kind of... But, but typically, that's a really good barometer is when the players are bringing him up, and they have done that with Cam. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Lewis was playing out of position. He should have been a safety the whole time, but... Well, that, that's in the past now because yep. Marcus Lewis is gone. So, yeah. um, But apparently he visited Maryland recently, so we'll, we'll see. Good I, luck to him. He's a really nice kid. But uh, back to running back, fullback, nothing you know, super off here. We'll move on because it's pretty close. Uh, we'll save... Uh, See if we have any more discrepancy. Again, guys, this is all kind of impromptu. We put the list together, at least I did this morning. Uh, did a little bit of research, but 
Uh, we haven't really discussed these yet, so I'm not sure we're going to have anything way too different. Hopefully, we have a little bit of, of big discrepancy. So I may actually get there now. We're on the offensive line. Last year, I gave them a 7. I thought they were going to kind of take the next step with pretty much everyone back. I was wrong. They did not. Uh, they were really good in the run game, really iffy in pass pro, uh, injuries, inconsistency, just kind of the same issues that have plagued the team outside of you know, that stretch in 2013 and 14 kind of consistently come up with the offensive line. Uh, this year, I have them at a six. I'm concerned about at left tackle. Very, very concerned about who replaces Robert Johnson. Uh, I'm not as antsy about Alec Everly as others are. I, I do like Everly. I think he's fine. I don't think he's great. I think he is what he is. Uh, and I thought the right tackle started to get better as the year went on. Uh, so I'm not super low on them, but I'm concerned with the lack of experience at left tackle. And even at the guard spots, uh, I'm high on Cole Minshew. I'm high on Landon Dickerson. But we have a small sample size to to judge those guys. Uh, Bob, where do you have the offensive line at? And again, I have them at a six. Uh, th- this one's really tricky, and I, I kind of look at it this way. If you're looking at them as a group in terms of run blocking, I think I might be tempted to go as high as an eight. But as a pass blocking, I, I might drop that to a five or a six. So I, that's, that's the kind of issue. I, I kind of feel like this is a good run blocking line. We sort of feel that, that Dickerson and Minshew are guys who can, you know, pave the way for the running game. So I, I just have a lot of optimism as far as what this group of running backs can do behind the line. If I were just ranking the offensive line in total, maybe it's in that six and a half or six range. I'm, I'm not feeling good about Francois staying upright. He's really going to have to make reads very, very quickly and get rid of the ball in the passing game. But... I sort of feel like Eberly, just touching on him, if we see some stability at both guard spots on the right and the left, if he can play maybe not a full season, but if we see enough Dickerson and and Minshew week after week, if those three can stay together, I think Eberly might, you know, in addition to him staying healthy, those three could, you know, be a nice group together. Yeah. But, you know, right now I still have, like you, a ton of question marks. I have it as a four. <laughs> I, I, I do. Um, I, severe concerns about left tackle. I mean, you saw what happened in the spring game. You know, Florida State's defensive ends, who admittedly are very good, just took them apart. Yeah, and even every, Josh Ball, they kind yeah, of picked on every, every tackle on the roster. It wasn't just left tackle. It was also right tackle. Mm-hmm. I have really I have questions about that, too. And I also have questions about how Dickerson comes back. We haven't seen him play football since he tore his ACL. Is he going to be ready for camp? Is he going to be ready to play and start the season? So with that, that's questions at three of the five you know um, positions. I, I like Eberly. I don't love Eberly. I think he's a... You know he's a, he's a decent option at center. Um, I really like Cole Minshew. He needs to get yeah. better in pass pro. But I'm I'm a Cole Minshew homer. Uh, you are. You've been on, you've am. been high on, on Cole for a while now. So I, I have it as a forge strictly because there's questions at three positions. Everly's decent, and Minshew's a really great run blocker and not a great pass blocker. Um, you know, hopefully they prove me wrong because I don't want to write you know Francois gets injured stories every week. Um, at this point, so it's yeah. That that's my reasoning behind it. Real real quick with Eberly, uh, that's just that's a, one of the names. Whenever he's brought up on the message board, just irritates the crap out of people. Um, I I'll say this: I don't think he's proven to be 
really good at this point. I think he's been good in spurts, and I think he's been bad in spurts, but I think he's an average center. He's a serviceable center. Yep. Yep. He's not going to go out and win reps. Like, against Clemson, he's going to get yeah, he's gonna dominate. He's gonna mold to what his competition is because he's he's average against yes. below average competition. He's, he's gonna, gonna look above fine. average yeah. and good because they're below average against upper tier competition. He's gonna get pushed around. Yes. I think the biggest issue with him is is just the optics. Like when he gets pushed back, he doesn't just go back like a yard. He goes back three or four yards. But here's the thing: that counts. As, it's a sack. You know, when you give up a sack, you give up a sack. You give up a pressure, you give up a pressure. It's not like like the pressure looking terrible really makes a big difference. And I think that's where I he kind of... I think it's also the optics of the fact that he just doesn't diagnose late blitz as well. Mm. So he tries to go and help other, you know, his, his left guard or right guard because, frankly, they struggled at times last year pass blocking. Mm-hmm. And he would go to help them and not see, you know, the guy coming up the middle late. And I think that really, you know, hurt him in the eyes of fans because, hey, he's leaving a lane wide open to go block air. Yeah. It's hard to tell what assignments are on the offensive line, and I, I think more so than any other position. I mean, I have a, I have an issue with it, and I imagine just you know more casual observers do as well to a large extent. Bob kind of touched on this. Consider who he was lined up next to as well. Like, Lane and Dickerson was good against the run. Not great in pass, but often looked kind of confused in there. And he'll you expect him to get better there. But so he has a rookie on one side. And on the left side, Derrick Kelly at 50% or 60 or whatever he was, he did not look like the Derrick Kelly did two years ago when he looked serviceable at right tackle. They had him at left guard against Ole Miss. And, man, that was a disaster. Uh, Kareem Mare gets you know healthy and, and looks okay for a portion of the season, but basically has three three different left guards start next to him at certain points. So you're talking about chemistry, continuity. Man, he's just been in a tough spot. So I'm not as uh, yeah, I just want to address that because I feel like he gets a bad rap and and probably he's not nearly as bad as the fans think he is. No, but he's also not preseason All ACC player. No, he's not. <laughs> so no, that, no. That, that, that's absurd. Bob got a good chuckle out of that, dude. <laughs> Um, yeah, the whole thing with the uh, the balloting, I don't know how that happened. I think part of it was it just his name was there and it was comma Florida State and somebody thought, oh, Florida State's going to be good this year and overlooked John Baker from Boston College. He's got 19 starts and people look at starts offensive line like that's a good thing. One of Jimbo Fisher's favorite lines, especially when talking about the offensive line, is, is you know sometimes the good news is everyone's back. Sometimes the bad news is everyone's back. So I don't think that really is bad news, but uh, – like we said, he's he's not he's not the answer. He's not the issue. But uh, along the line, you know, right tackle is a concern. Left tackle is a concern, and the two guard spots could be really good, but we don't know. So, you know, maybe Wayne's convinced me to go down a little bit lower when when we put pen to paper uh, in a little bit. But yeah, so we have a six. Bob, what were you a six and a half? Yeah, I copped out and did a half. You did a, you did a half point, <laughs> and then Wayne had a four. So. Uh, you know, one of the bigger discrepancies we've had so far. Let's move on to tight end. Uh, we had wide receiver slash tight end, but Wayne kind of stumped to have us do uh, to do both. So uh, we had to split it. Uh, initially, when we had wide receiver and tight end, I had it as a seven. I'm just going to go. I think the tight ends are going to be really good. So I'm going with the tight ends as an eight. And the wide receivers, spoiler alert for me, will be a six. So, uh, but, but for tight end, I really like Ryan Izzo. I had him at number eight, actually, in our uh, – in our top 30 uh, most important player countdown, which kind of, I don't know, did you see the reactions to it, Bob? At least the voting so far. Typically, it's it's most people have agreed when we do a poll. They agree kind of where the guy's at, and then they think the guy's underrated. 
Uh, and then the last, you know, typically is overrated. Overrated's pushing, uh, pushing to be number one right now in the voting that we have as of uh, this morning as we're recording the podcast. What are your thoughts on? I just kind of why people are maybe not appreciating uh, Izzo right now, Bob. I think it's purely because Izzo is following Nick O'Leary, and yeah. we saw a ridiculously good, productive uh, receiving tight end in, in Nick, and not a very good blocker overall, obviously. And, and Izzo is honestly an interesting case. He was a guy, I think a couple of years ago, he said to us that he didn't block in high school. He was flexed out wide a lot. Yeah. Uh, said, admitted that he didn't like to block, but knew that that was part of the path to playing time. And now you look at him and you're kind of like, man, this guy is a really, really good blocker. Yeah. And you almost feel like, okay, at some point, the coaches have to utilize him more as a receiver. I think he's in there appropriately as, um, as we know, as a tight end to be productive, you have to be able to do both. The defense can't know you're in there to block for one reason on that play and mm-hmm. they're in there to receive. They have to respect both aspects of what you can do. And that's what makes you a, a really productive tight end. I, I think where you put him at eight in the countdown, I, I obviously agreed with, but I think he's just honestly very underrated as a as a player and what his value is to the offense. So, looking at the tight ends as a whole, what uh, what grade did you uh, or what confidence number did you assign assign to them for this? Yeah, breaking them up kind of between receiver and tight end, I would go eight with the tight end. I really like what Izzo can do. I'm high on Maven. I've been high on yeah. Maven for years, even though he's we, we've seen him get criticized a lot in practice. His learning curve has been difficult. He only played two years of high school football. But when he has played, and we saw him come through with some big catches last year, um, I I just think Maven is going to have some games where he's going to be out there in two tight end sets. He's going to be productive. Yeah, I went with an eight as well, and for the same reasons that you did, Bob, was I I really like Izzo, and I like Maven Saunders a lot. I think he's he's obviously raw, like you alluded to, uh, but they used him – confidently in two tight end sets quite a bit last year. I haven't broken down the percentages, but they used it probably about, what, 20, 25% of the time they went with two tight end sets. They, they did it, and when he was a target, uh, which wasn't often, he, he produced, uh, whether it be downfield or catching a ball and turning up field. So I really like that combination with one-two. That gives you balance on offense. That gives you versatility. I think it's one of the stronger and most reliable groups on offense, which maybe isn't a great thing that tight ends is, is the highest rate at least I've had so far. Uh, along with quarterback, I guess, which is good. Uh, Wayne, what did you have uh, tied in? Let's make it a queen, uh, clean sweep. A queen sweep? A queen sweep. <laughs> clean sweep uh, at eight. All right. Um, I really like Maven. I think he's come a long way as a blocker. Yeah. And very, I think Florida true. State is going to use a ton of two tight end sets this year, mainly because the depth of wide receiver it just isn't there. So they've got to find a way to compensate for that. And you put in a guy like Maven who averaged 18 and a half yards per catch last year. So I really like what Saunders brings to the table, especially now that he is a capable blocker. And I love Izzo. I mean, mm-hmm. Izzo needs to get more targets. Um, he, I mean, he, he's open most of the time. He's just, you know, the targets went elsewhere. Yep. yep. So it's, I mean, and when you're running the ball with Dalvin Cook, it's, you know, it's hard to complain about, you know, getting the ball to the tight end when you can get the ball to, you know, a guy like Dalvin or, you know, maybe Travis Rudolph. Nooney. So now that uh, those guys are gone, 
uh, with the exception of Nooney. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you take a guy who's going to be solid and get you, you know, 10 yards catch, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's a first down. And then a guy like Maven who could break it open from a tight end position. So I really like what they have there. Plus, if either of those guys go down, there is a ton of depth behind them. Yeah, you got, I mean, Jimbo's high on Trey McKitty. I mean, he obviously needs a little bit of work as a, as a true freshman, but um, he looked good in the spring game. Like, yeah. he looks like he's going to be a good receiving tight end. Uh, Pops uh, Upshur, I'm not super sold on him, but. He's excellent blocker. Yeah, I think that's he's what, because he looks like, good on special teams. Yeah, as, he's, uh, he's going to find his way onto the field as a blocker yeah, this year. Yeah, so, and then I think he, I mean, even if one of those guys went down, you could, like, use neighbors like an H-back, or you got options if, if things were to kind of fall apart. Um so, okay, uh, sorry, boring guys, all eights for tight ends, uh, but let's go to wide receiver, and I'm going to guess that's going to be one of the more polarizing topics we do as we kind of finish up the offensive side of this podcast. Uh, I have them as a six, which is where I had the, them last year as well. Um, you lose Travis Rudolph, who wasn't great but was productive. Uh, you lose Kermit Whitfield, and you lose Jesus Wilson. Again, not elite talents by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, serviceable, consistent, knew where to be, especially Bobo, and not always with Kermit, but at least those guys knew where to be. It's a huge part of Jimbo Fisher's offense because it is so complex. There are so many options kind of built into every pattern. I think this could be a much more <clears throat> excuse me, talented group than last year with Nyquan Murray, Auden Tate, Keith Gavin. But we don't know what any of those guys are as full-time number ones. We saw it in flashes last year with, with Nooney. We saw Auden take him be as a red zone option. You expect him to, to elevate his game. But the lack of depth at the position, um, that concerns me. Wayne? I had it as a five. Yeah? Um, I think the lack of depth is concerning. Um, you also you have to consider Florida State had 10 wide receivers on the roster to start the season. You talk about those three, um, Bobo, Travis, and um, – and Kermit mm-hmm. that they lost, but they also lost Ermin Lane to safety yep. and uh, Javon Harrison to being kicked off the team. Mm-hmm. So they lost five wide receivers from last year's roster, and they had five wide receivers on scholarship in the spring. Two of those are perennially injured. Yeah, uh, yeah. Keith, Keith Gavin has been hurt. I was talking about uh, Devontae yeah. Phillips. Yeah, you still don't believe Keith Gavin has some injury issues, but but, what, but he's been hurt a lot. Whatever. Anyways, George Campbell, who still might not be ready. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. So, now, granted, you brought in two really talented freshmen, and I think DJ Matthews is a guy that can play early, especially if you want to play him in the slot, slot and move Nooney to the outside. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that he can make an impact as a freshman, but, I mean, when was the last time we saw freshman make an impact at Florida State at wide receiver? Travis Rudolph did second half with Jameis Winston as the quarterback, and Rashad, yes. right, Rashad was on that team, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and Rashad Green and Nick O'Leary. So you had built-in proven guys yeah. around so, him to where the pressure wasn't. No, I, I – Depth is an issue. It's, so I, I have it as a five. I think it's going to be a good unit, mm-hmm. d- decent unit. I think Nooney and Auden are going to be really good. Yeah. But the lack of anything that, you know, we, we have no knowledge of any of the guys behind him. No, there's no like, proven commodities no, at no, all. And there's no, I mean, there's not a lot of bodies. No, there's, there's four guys on the roster with 10 or more catches mm-hmm. in their careers. Yep. Two of them are at tight end. Which is also why we're partially we're bullish on the tight ends. I yeah. think it's because they're going to be a big part. Uh, Bob, what did you have as uh, at the receivers? I'm pretty similar to you all. I went with a six. Uh, same concerns overall. I really like Murray. I think he's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. He's just fun to watch. Tate, I, I think, will be continue to be a red zone threat and, and a receiver that will be used up and down the field. 
Um, after that, yeah, a lot of question marks. I, I might be as high on Gavin as anybody. I think he's just athletic and has that frame that you love. He could be physical. Um, it's just, can he stay healthy? Same questions down the line with everybody else. Phillips, Campbell. Um, I, I would like to be sold on, on DJ Matthews, but coming in in June, trying to learn the playbook, um, you know, again, Jimbo's only really used two true freshman receivers, you know, besides Rashad, Travis. Um, Travis had that injury early on in his true freshman year that kind of limited him early. But we just haven't seen enough true freshman receivers learn the playbook, get it, and be ready to go. So I think maybe DJ's more of a second-half guy who could develop later on. I, I do want to caveat and say that while there hasn't been in like very many freshmen, you said two, and I, I, I mean, you had two freshmen that came in and started. Florida State doesn't have the depth to redshirt anybody at wide receiver this year. Like they, they, they might not have a choice to play him because the, up, the other options might get hurt because George Campbell is always hurt. Devontae Phillips, I mean, He's, he's hurt. He's hurt on a lot. Groin injuries. I mean, and, and then you say Keith Gavin's hurt. I say that you know whatever. But uh, he, he might be hurt. A little for, bit. for the record, yeah, Keith Gavin. Not. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> it's not an indictment on him, but yeah. like he's tough. He's played through them, but he separated his shoulder as a senior in high school. Yeah. Thanks for the Franks. He he had turf toe on and off as a uh, true freshman and then the spring he had high ankle sprain like he and then he hurt himself too he had a sprain in the he was walking off the orange bowl in crutches after that kickoff yeah, he pulled crutches. his hamstring so he, those are four yeah. separate at least minor injuries some not so minor in a uh, year and change so yeah. Wayne you could take the L on that one that's, that's fine I'll take the L on that one <laughs> I'm high on Keith Gavin I am too yeah, we all like Keith Gavin's yeah. potential the staff loves him he's the most hyped guy that's never had a reception <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have he doesn't have a catch. He, but but everyone thinks he's going to be an NFL player. So that, that's it. Sixty six total yards to his name. Yeah, all on a kickoff, one kickoff return. But exactly. it was an important sixty six yards. Yeah, it might have been the biggest play of the season. <laughs> um, by the way, that was so great. Like it, it, the last time FSU had such a big special teams play in a big game was Kermit Whitfield in the national championship game when he was a true freshman, and then he doesn't take one back. Like, how many times he passed it in midfield in four years? And then he's the one telling Keith Gavin not to take the ball out of the end zone in, in that Capital uh, Capital One Orange Bowl against uh, Michigan. That was just a great, uh, I, I thought, like kind of a uh, just just a picture picturesque ending to both Kermit's, uh, you know, book ending it there with Kermit and then, and then passing the baton, hopefully for more kickoff returns for Keith Gavin. All right, guys. Um, anything else on wide receivers or the offense? I think we all kind of agree here is is that one, the tight ends are going to be pretty good. The running backs are going to be good and have the upside to be really, really good. We're concerned about quarterback depth. We're really concerned about the offensive line stability there and wide receiver. We just kind of have our hands up saying we, we don't know. Fair, fair to say all that. We're all kind of in agreement there. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. Bob. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. All right, cool. Well. We want to keep this one relatively short. I think we're in here at 35 minutes. I'm happy with that, guys. We almost kept it to 30, so for us, that's that's not bad at all. Uh, thanks for uh, listening to this episode of the Knowles 24-7 podcast. We'll be back in a day or so with, uh, with the same crew as we go to the defensive players with our confidence ratings. Feel free to chime in uh, once this is posted with your confidence ratings. I guess how you uh, have you view uh, each offensive position group. I'm Brendan Sinone with the Knowles 24-7 podcast. 
Thanks uh, for Wayne McGahee for joining me and uh, Bob Ferrante as well. All right, bye guys.